I was on the bus in San Francisco, and a long time ago, years ago, that's not really important, but it was years ago when I lived in San Francisco. Now I live in Boulder and have a car, so I don't go on the bus that much. Boulder is pretty small, and having a car stops you riding the bus a lot. But when I lived in San Francisco, which is also not large, but it's big enough that you do need to ride the bus if you don't have a car. And not so many people in San Francisco have a car because it's kind of a pain in the ass to have a car in San Francisco. So all of that is some backstory about being on the bus in San Francisco. Not that I have any shame, you understand. I'm not apologizing for being on the bus. I don't think there's anything to apologize for. I think riding the bus is fine. It's good. Ride the bus. But I just haven't done it in a long time. Anyway, in San Francisco, I used to ride the bus all the time. I used to ride the number five that would go from downtown west to where I lived. Or, interestingly, that's the only number I can remember. It would go down... Hmm. I forget what the name of the street... <laughs> no, I don't know. Anyway, the number five would go down the street. A street that ran east to west. And I would ride that one. But I would ride many other buses. I think this particular time... Ooh! Oh, yeah, no, this was on a 71, I think. Which would go up Hate Street. I used to live at the, the kind of west end of Hate Street. And the 71 would go from Hate Street to downtown. Go to, to Market and then go up the length of Market to the Embarcadero. And I was riding that 71. I don't remember anything. I don't remember the time of year or anything. But I think it was kind of wintry. I think it was like, it was either fall or it was winter. And if you know San Francisco, the winters don't get bad. There's this kind of famous line. You know, uh, Mark Twain said, the coldest winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. Which is fair enough, because it can get cold in the summer in San Francisco. There's a fog that comes in. It's not always great. But... The thing that's missing from that story is how, <clears throat> is how beautiful the winters can be. And I, the first I got to San Francisco, I came from London, um, and I got off the plane, and it was January, I think it was January 3rd. And, you know, I'd, and it, I'd come from London where it was, like, cold and dark and raining and just miserable. Like, it would just be in a bad time in London. And I got on this plane, and I was in the plane for like 10 hours or whatever, and then I got off at San Francisco, first time I'd ever been there, and got out of the plane, and, and it was, the sun was shining, and, well, actually, it was, no, it was the middle of the night when I got off the plane, but in the morning, I got up, and I left the, the hotel, and the sun was shining, and it was a beautiful day. It was just gorgeous, and, you know, it was warm, like 65 degrees, so plenty for January, and the sun was shining, and I, I wandered around San Francisco just feeling totally delighted. Like, oh my god, is this even possible? Anyway, back to the bus. Probably the number 71. I hope I'm getting that number right, because otherwise there's going to be someone listening to this being like, there is no 71, or 71 runs north-south along Geary or something. Like, oh, <laughs> which isn't possible, because Geary runs east-west. So even then, making people crazy. Van Ness, not Geary. North-south along Van Ness. But I think the 71 would go to market, and then it would go to Hayes. And there's a place where it would turn. It would turn somewhere in Hayes Valley, I think. If it's going east, it'd be going east on one street, 
So it's going towards downtown. It'd be going east on one street, and then it would turn somewhere in Hayes Valley, two blocks. And then it would turn again, it would turn left, two blocks. And then it would turn right again and keep going east, but on a different street. Maybe even one block. And then it maybe would go down Hayes Street? I don't know. It's funny to talk about San Francisco now, because it's in even 10 years. This was 10 years ago. And it's changed so much in terms of what it's like to live there. Because as, as I'm telling the story, I'm getting this uh, nostalgic feeling of... Oh, San Francisco. I loved San Francisco. Why did I leave San Francisco? But when I go back now, the place that I loved um, doesn't actually exist. Which everybody, there's like a kind of meme about San Francisco. Because when I lived there, there were people who were saying that about, you know, 10 years before that, 20 years before that. Like, ah, this, is, this isn't the real San So there's something... Um, there's something about San Francisco that kind of generates this meme of like it 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 it, it had its heyday and now it's in this decline. Um, so probably the people who live there now adore it, and in ten years we'll be like, ah, oh, San Francisco used to be great, and now it's X Y Z, but no longer lights me up the way that it used to. So I'm on this bus, and it was that moment where it turns off of, I think off of Hate Street and then goes a couple blocks north and then turns again to go east where this story happened. There's a great distinction in NLP that I love about... Um, it's a kind of mini typology. So at some point I'm going to talk about typologies. This is not the time except to just say typologies are, are ways that we type someone, right? Um, or anything. So in the Ken Wilber in 5 Minutes episode, I talked about types as being the fifth of the, of the components of the Aqual theory. So types is just... Any anything where we we type someone, so uh, a one that everybody knows is a star sign or sun sign. That's an astrological sign. Oh, I'm a Taurus. I'm a Cancer. That is a typology. You're putting someone into a type. Um, I for me, it's not one that I like. I think it's not a good type system. But there are many others. A lot of people know the Myers Briggs system. A set of four letters: INFP, ENTJ. ESFP or whatever, which kind of gives you put someone into one of sixteen types. Uh, based on these pairs of letters. Uh, again, I'm not going to get into the details, but that kind of is a more specific type. And unlike astrology, with astrology, you're you're basing it just on this kind of arbitrary when were you born. With uh, Myers-Briggs, it's you, you, you read all of the types and you figure out which one is you based on like, oh, well, this one kind of sounds the most like me. Oh, you take a test and you answer multiple choice questions. Anyway, these are typologies. My favorite uh, uh, that I use every day is the Enneagram. Definitely going to talk about the Enneagram at some point. One more really common example is um, introvert, extrovert, which is incorporated in Myers-Briggs, but it stands alone. A lot of people type themselves, I'm an extrovert, I'm an introvert, he's an introvert, he, he's an extrovert, you know, like that. So that's another type system, very simple one. So the way that NLP does type systems is a thing called meta programs. And what it is, is a bunch of little piecemeal type systems that you can have, like, you can kind of take your pick of like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm this and I'm not that, but over here I'm this and I'm not that. And one of them is the primary sort. It's called the primary sort. And, and you're typed, and it doesn't sound interesting. <laughs> so I don't know how I'm going to tell the story, but, or I'm going to talk about this. But the primary sort is where it, it, it's basically the first category by which you organize information. And so the, the primary sorts are, like the, the possible types are uh, time and place, people, activities, things. And so the way that you elicit this, and, the, and it's interesting, the NLP type systems, the way that you elicit them, there isn't some complicated multiple choice question. You don't have to see deep in someone's soul. They're very simple syntactic 
categorization methods. So it's literally like what words do people use? That tells you what metaprogram they're using. And so you're not trying to figure out, well, yeah, they said that, but did they really mean this underneath? It's like, no, if they use this word, it means that this metaprogram. For, for good and for ill, I, I think it's just an interesting typology. I wouldn't want it to be the only one I had. But in the, in the case of primary sort, the way that you figure out someone's type is you ask them to tell you a story. So just tell me about something interesting or pleasant that happened to you recently. And then they tell you, and basically you look for like inside of the first 10 words, do they start by telling you about who was there? Do they start by telling you about um, about what they what was happening, what they were doing? Do they start by telling you about things, objects, or do they start by telling you about the time and the place? And people do it really differently. And what's interesting is once you learn this about yourself, uh, it, you start to see just a little bit of like how you categorize information. So I, I'll give you an example. So when when I was being tested, I told the story uh, of the. That, that I recorded in the 20th Century Go to Sleep episode. So I think it's about episode six or seven, something like that. So you can go back and listen to that. But the beginning of that story is, uh, and at the time it was maybe like six months ago. So like six months ago, I was driving down Arapaho in Boulder. And blah, 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 blah. So what is that? Time and place sort. I'm a time and place sort. Like I start that story by telling you when and where it happens. And same with this story. Like I've spent, I haven't even told you the story yet. I've spent the whole story, and this is partly you know, because I'm enjoying myself and, and I feel no real urgency to get to the point, except I'm going to have to edit this this episode and the, the longer I talk, the longer it takes me to edit. The talking is fun, the editing is work. But, you know, I spent this whole story just talking about where and when it happened. You know, oh, I was on this bus in this particular street in San Francisco and, and, and it was the moment where the bus, I mean, this is still kind of a where, but it's also a when, it's the moment where that bus turned that corner and it was a few years ago back when San Francisco was different because of the different time. And so it's like so much time and place and time and place. And what I notice for myself, if somebody is telling a story, but they don't include time and place, there's it just very subtly, this is not like a loud effect, but very subtly, how would I describe that experience? I'm slightly unsettled if I don't know when and where it happens. It's just like an open loop in my mind because, and here's, here's what this teaches you is because I don't know which bucket to put it in. It's like as if your mind is organized information into buckets and the label on the top level of buckets is the time and place for me because I'm a time and place sort. If you're a people sort, you know, then um, then the label is going to be people. Who was that in, during the story? And if you don't know who was that, oh, I was out with some friends and I'm telling a story and I'm like, you know, I was out with some friends and it was like three years ago to the day and we were in older and you know and but but and you know my friends but you don't know who then you're going to be unsettled until you know who so that's for people sort and you know for the other types same same so it's just very interesting and 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 you start to spot the people oh this person's a time and place sort because they'll tell a story in a way where you're like yeah okay i'm, I'm happy and relaxed they start by telling you you know back in london in the 60s la la, la and you're like great and now I'm happy and I, I, the information has a place to go in my mind. So that's time and place sort. Um, so for all you people sorts out there, I'm now going to uh, finish. And then there's activity in this thing, so I'm not going to get into that. But I'm now going to finish the story. I'm going to tell you the story. And I haven't said it yet, but this is the Halloween special. So get ready. So I'm, I'm on the bus and there is a, a young mom and son, the African-American the son is like maybe five or six. 
and they're riding kind of opposite me. And then across from them is a, a young teacher who's a, also African-American young man. And then somehow I figure out that he's the teacher of this kid's school. And this, like I said, this kid is five or six. And so we're all on the bus together and I, and I overhear their conversation. And, you know, they're, they're making chit-chat about whatever and everybody's being very sweet. And then the, the little kid... No, it must have been, it was Halloween time, of course. I just realized the time, and this is why I'm telling the story, and it only makes sense, because it was Halloween time. Because we passed by a skeleton, like, just, you know, hanging in someone's window or in their doorway or whatever. And the kid said, look, it's Bob. And and the, the, the teacher laughed, and the mom was kind of like, what do you mean, Bob? Who's Bob? And the teacher explained... Oh, you know, we have, a, we have a skeleton in the school that we bring out for one of the, the, the classes, and we call him Bob for, you know, for biology class or whatever, and so they teach the kid about bones and skeletons, and, and, and we call him Bob, so he'd seen the skeleton out in the, in the world, and he was like, look, it's Bob. And then the teacher leans over to the kid and says, but remember, Bob is inside you. And the little kid's eyes just, like, bulged out like, Whoa! And it was a sweet moment. That's it. So my Halloween message to you is to remember, Bob is inside you. And be well.